0: Welcome to the Dynasty
1: Junkies podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I'm your host, Rocky Petrella, along with my co-host, Dustin Church at Dynasty Junkie F. Dustin, how you doing?
2: you know i'm doing all right i'm in a in a hotel in the middle of nowhere in eastern oregon it's 108 degrees outside um i'm on the hotel wi-fi i got like two gig downloads or two megabytes um download speed so you know if i stutter a little bit it's because the wi-fi but other than that i'm pretty good you know i had a five-hour drive down here and another five-hour drive back so excited to be on talking uh, some football how are you doing
1: pretty good pretty good Sounds sounds like a lot of fun you're having there uh, hope hopefully you make it through the whole show with the hotel Wi-Fi um, but I got uh I got something I want to talk about here but first let's introduce our guest um, it is Zach Reed at tacit assassin 13 of the dynasty dummies and, and musical parody genius <laughs>
0: <laughs> Zach how you doing I, I'm fantastic uh, it's uh, it's good to be here I thought we were I thought this was we were talking baseball tonight though <laughs> no isn't that was the whole pre-show that
2: yeah. zach and i were geeking out for like a good 20 <laughs> minutes on baseball talking about baseball is better than football <laughs> um, yeah. we'll see what see what that does to our listener count this week but yeah we're, we're excited to have you on here zach
1: yeah, yeah, I don't know about the baseball better than football take, but <laughs> but it was fun talking baseball prior to the show. But uh, something I wanted to mention here, it's only kind of tangentially uh, related to, to fantasy, but it's, a, it's something I got into Twitter the other day, and I've seen multiple people saying this when it started happening a couple days ago where so many New England players were opting out. <laughs> I'm very interested to get Zach's take on this. as a, I'm pretty sure he's a Patriots fan. I, I kept hearing from, from smart people that, that this was – Bill Belichick orchestrating a tank job, and I just didn't, I didn't buy that at all. What do, you, what do you think of that, Zach? So I'm going to defer to Patrick Chung, uh, who tweeted out
0: today. Whoever said that is dumb, in in reference to exactly that. There's no way Belichick is tanking, and there's no way that coaching staff is tanking. Uh, Brady's gone, and this is the chance to prove that the Patriots coaching staff and the Patriots team approach, that next man up approach is actually what the driving force was behind all of the success with the Patriots. There's no way. I mean, they, they went out and, and and signed Cam Newton. I mean, yes, there's a third round pick attached to that. If, if he goes, you know, in free agency next year, they, they will get a compensatory pick. So there's all, there are always multifactorial layers to what Belichick is doing, but there's no way he's tanking.
1: Yeah, and that was my exact take, and that's what I said. If you if you're going to tank, why why would you be signing Cam Newton? And someone brought up the compensatory pick, but that was my thinking is that it, it, if he plays, you you have to get a Cam has to get a decent contract to get a third round pick out yeah. of it. So if, if he plays well, that's going to screw up your tank. <laughs> and that's if right. you cut him, you don't get the third round pick. So what what was the point of signing him the first? I mean, I could see maybe Belichick because of this maybe deciding, oh, well, this season isn't going to be worth it, and then maybe he t- – I mean, what do you think? I've heard people other people say Belichick would never even consider tanking no matter what. I just – I don't
0: think he has it in him. I I really don't. And and even uh, Darius Butler said the same thing. Like, anybody who's ever been around Belichick knows that he just does not have that in him. He doesn't have the tank in him. And I think that, that a lot of times you see teams – tank what happens is the front office will will kind of submarine the the roster the problem with that is belichick is also the de facto gm so the gm's not submarining the roster you know belichick is going to put the best team on the field that he possibly can and and a lot of these guys that are opting out are older they have pre-existing conditions they they have you know some of them have children that they're they're thinking about and, and that sort of thing and, and so I think it's for me, it's really difficult to see opt outs and, and the entire CoVID situation as a strategy. I mean, I just I, it's hard for me to to not see the humanity and, and see that as a strategy.
1: Right. And I think it it kind of clouded it even further when I, I don't know if you saw Schefter put out something from a, from a, an executive or somebody in the league that he has sourced from that. That said, that he thought Belichick was doing it, so I think that fueled yeah. it even more. Um, but Dust, any thoughts on that before we go on to the the fantasy faceoff?
2: No, I mean you you guys hit it. He's not going to tank. He's too proud. He he like in like what Zach said. Like he wants to prove everyone that he doesn't need Brady. Like he can do it without him without it. And I think I mean there's teams way worse than the Patriots even with the opt out. So it's going to be hard to tank. And then with it's hard to plan for that with a potential abbreviated season. We don't know what that looks like, but I think there's just too much for him to even be able to plan that out. And he's, just, but at the end of the day, he's just too proud. There's no way he's, he's going to
1: tank. Yeah, I I agree. Okay. So we'll get right into the fantasy face off, which this week we went with, uh, it's Melvin Gordon versus Todd Gurley. This kind of ties into something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, But these two guys are both uh, aging running backs on new teams. So, Fairly close in ADP Uh, in July, it was uh, Gurley 48 to Gordon's 57 ADP, although Gordon was actually slightly ahead of him in June, um, for whatever reason that switched, and as always we polled it, and it came out virtually 50-50, 51-49 over over 1,400 votes, which doesn't really surprise me, so uh, Zach, what do you think, which of these two guys do you prefer in Dynasty?
0: Well, you mentioned it's been close, and it's been close to their whole careers. Even the, like the, the 2015 rookie drafts, it was uh, um, Gurley going at 101 or 102, depending on where you had Amari Cooper. And then Melvin Gordon was the, the surefire uh, 103. And they were the first backs off the board. If you look at the per-game stats over their career, like it's really, really close. Uh, I think Gurley might average like a couple more carries and maybe like ten more yards a game, and and so it it really does look close. Um, but the 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 deciding factor for me and the thing that pushes Gurley ahead of Melvin Gordon for me is. A, Gurley just turned 26 or will just turn 26. I think he turns 26 in a couple of weeks. Gordon is already 27. Uh, and the upside in terms of this season, which is really what I'm looking at with, with a 26, 27 year old running back, I'm looking at one season and whether or not I can get a a huge season out of him. Todd Gurley, uh, by and large, has been that that back with the upside uh and especially in Atlanta where uh, they like to throw the ball a lot Gurley has that really good receiving upside uh I think he's probably better than Devonta Freeman at this point in his career and Devonta Freeman actually was reasonably successful for having a bad year last year like he actually put up some numbers I think it's Todd Gurley for me
1: Dustin what are your thoughts
2: yeah, I mean, uh, once again, Zach hit everything, hit the nail on the head. But, you know, there's just who who does Gurley have to compete against in, in yeah. the backfield? You yeah. know, Ito like, Smith, Kwaji Allison. Like, that's it. Like, you know, and in Denver, there's a really good backup in Philip Lindsey and one of the best blocking backs in Royce Freeman there. Now, we're not worried about Royce Freeman taking carries, but like Phil Lindsay has been a really really good running back in in the league. That's back going to back a 1000 one. yards. Yeah. And he's going to take a whole bunch of those those carries and like I don't Melvin Gordon's not walking into the Lions chair and Todd Gurley is. They're like and Atlanta uses one one back. That's all they use. Um since Shanahan's been gone, so like I like both offenses a lot. Atlanta has a, a worse defense, so they're going to be on the field, which is going to open up more opportunities for Gurley. I they only signed into a one-year contract, so they're not going to worry about really his injury. Like they're going to give him touches until he can't take him anymore. So he's going to walk into the lion's share of the touches. So like so, it's 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 easily Gurley for me.
1: I'm with I'm with both of you on this too. I I think I mean it is close for me, but I think it's Gurley. Uh, you basically touched on all the major points, and and I think people don't realize that because everyone looks at Gurley as having a down year last year because of all the the bizarre usage, especially early on, um, because they were I guess trying to save them and all that. But uh, at least this will vary depending on scoring systems. But per DLF, he was RB fourteen last year, so he he was a high end RB two, and he could exceed that uh in atlanta i think uh like because like dustin said he's the only guy there and um basically they have no one else to really share the ball with so i'm going with Gurley too and uh, i do think the only argument i can see for gordon is maybe he's got the two-year deal i'm not sure what the out is after this year um but and Gurley, we don't know where he's going to be next year but I think it's definitely Gurley for 2020. And like Jack said, th- with these two guys, aging running backs, you're basically just looking at this year.
2: And here I am talking about how bad the Atlanta defense is and they go sign a new cornerback right now. Uh, Dark, he is a dinner if they just went and signed him. So as a <laughs> so I'm like, oh, their defense is terrible. And
1: I don't know that's a game changer, though, but we'll yeah, see. It's yeah. So it's three for three on Gurley. And we'll move on to our commissioner corner. Commissioner corner and uh, we had a uh, topic set up for this week, but uh, we wanted to put another one in here as well right off the top just because it's something that came up this week, which is the whole opt out thing. MFL uh, put a designation on opt outs uh, and it allows them to go to IR and we were just decided we should talk about should opt outs be eligible for IR or not. Dustin, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I listened to the, the commission possible podcast um, that they all did um, a couple of days ago. And I'm, I'm opening up to the idea of, you know, putting opt outs on HR and having that special designation because they're opting out because of COVID. Like they're not opting out. I'm not going to put holdouts for like contracts and stuff like that, but they're, they're, they're opting out for COVID. And at the end of the day, it's really the same type of, type of thing as if somebody got, got covid in there on ir like it's a covid related ir so i'm fine with with that for the year um i'm i want to try to find a way to limit it so that someone's not just taking all these buying a whole bunch of players that are opt out right now it's only been Damian williams so far on the offensive side of the ball to really worry about but you know if more come i don't want someone to like go buy 10 of them and stock them on ir to for next year like so i want to find a way to limit that a little bit um I don't know what that's going to be yet, but I'm I'm warming up to the idea, and I think I'm going to implement it in my leagues of of allowing that. Like, I don't want someone shouldn't be punished because someone chooses to opt out of the season.
1: I I agree with what you're saying too. I I think they should be fine to go on IR. I'm not. I don't really have. I don't even. I know some people don't want these COVID guys stashed on IR, um, but like you said, so far no one major has opted out. And in terms of the COVID thing, I'm not even worried about that either with people. I've heard some people saying you shouldn't be able to pick up COVID guys and put them on IR. But generally, waiver wires aren't going to be that plentiful to begin with in most of the the leagues we're in. But uh, yeah, like you said, I don't think you should be punished because a guy decided to opt out. You should be able to save a roster spot and put them on the IR if your platform is going to allow it. Are, Are you on board with that, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty
0: ambivalent one way or the other. As long as you're consistent and you do it now and tell your league, this is how we're going to play it. So if if they're going to be eligible for IR, great. But but communicate that with your league because this isn't something that you want to spring on, on guys in your league in you know late August or, or September. This is something that you should be thinking about now, communicating. Uh, get in your league chat, whether you have a Voxer or you have a DM or whatever, like communicate that with your league. Uh, Interesting, uh, what we do, and that you just kind of made me think of this, with our our rookies and and things, we have a a taxi squad, and the rookies that we draft ourselves are eligible to be put on the taxi squad, but if you pick them up off uh, waivers, they're not eligible to go down, so it's only drafted rookies. I wonder if you could do something like that where – Uh, you know, the players that are on your roster before they're designated, you can, you can move down to your, your uh, IR spot, but you can't pick up a player who's been designated and then, and then stash them. I wonder if that's a way to kind of approach that.
2: I think that's what I'm, that's the way I'm thinking about approaching it. And I think that's what I want to say it was, Bosch. it was Bosch or Price that said it on commission possible. Like,
0: let's not get Bosch any credit. Let's give it to let's give it a <laughs> Price.
2: Um, but he, he said like the way that they're going to limit it is, you know, just like in like you said, you can't pick up rookies and put them straight to IR or to the taxi. You can't pick up players just to put to IR. Yeah, like you can IR them if they're on your roster, and then you can pick up someone to replace them. But you can't just hoard all the IR players, and just put them on your IR so no one else can get them. Um, and that's also not good for the integrity of the league. Um, right. So it, it's it seems, like an e- it,
0: it seems like an easy loophole to close right now while, while we're thinking of it. And while people are listening, commissioners out there like get ahead of this. Yep. Yeah.
1: Cool. And we're the up. only thing, yeah, the only thing with that is it does take extra work from the commissioner because there's nothing on MFL or I don't think any other platform that can keep you from, picking up guys and putting them on IR like that. So uh, it would be something that would need to be policed individually, which has me a little iffy on it. But (laughs) I I don't mind the stashing as much as you guys do, because to me, most of the, I've said this elsewhere, to me, most of these guys, you're talking third, fourth stringers that you're going to be able to pick up off the waiver wire and stash on IR. And the majority of the time, 90% of the time, those guys aren't going to mount anything anyway.
0: Yeah, but it also depends on on your roster size and and your individual league too because if you have short benches, you never know who's going to be out there and stashing a guy on IR for for the year and still maintaining your your roster is an advantage.
1: Agreed. If, if, if it's a shorter bench league, I can definitely see that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I was just thinking a lot of the leagues on man are generally, yeah. you know, 28, 30, 32, things like that. <laughs> so you're not you're not getting much off the waiver wire to begin with. The original topic we had for this week before that came up was the idea of. Again, I put on the sushi. I'm not sure exactly what the term is for it, but uh, the ability to kind of uh, beat trades. Uh, I've heard this uh, batted around where, and I've heard about it and done in other leagues where uh, two teams agree upon a trade executed, uh, I think in the league. And then the rest of the league has a, det- uh, a determined period of time to try and top that trade o- on either side is the way I believe it usually works. Again, me and Dustin, uh, we talked about this. Have never actually been in a league like this, but I thought it was an interesting topic to discuss. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Zach. Do you have you ever been in a league that's used this kind of rule? I have. I have not. Um, I, I like the. I like the
0: idea of it, uh, but I think that. And I also like what you call that. I, I've heard it called public trade counters and that sort of thing, but I, lo- I like like top that trade. Like, I like that. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, maybe we'll get that on Dynasty Game Night. We'll talk to Outhouse and Bosch and like get that set there you up. Go. But I, for, for me personally, that would be fantastic because I am terrible At trades, like I like I listen to you guys, I listen to Dynasty Outhouse, I listen to Dynasty Wall Street with Kevin Cotillo and Bosch and Riley Bymaster because I am terrible at trades. I I don't seek out trades. I'm really good at evaluating players, like that's my strength. I, I evaluate rookie drafts, I evaluate draft classes, but but being able to initiate and consummate a trade is not my strength, and so once somebody puts a, a price out there this is what i i gave this player up for i'd be like yeah i can top that boom we're good but but getting to that point for me is difficult so i think the 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 players in your league who are very good at trading this actually hurts but if you're somebody like me you know that that's a benefit so so maybe it maybe it promotes trading for the weaker players in your league as far as as far as trading's concerned
1: yeah i'd see the benefit of it, it just like you said i think it could promote activity but uh, i'm kind of on the other side of where you are i i do consider myself a pretty good trader and I don't love the. It can often take a lot of work to get it get a trade done. Mm -hmm. I I don't love the idea that you you spend this time. You guys finally agree on something, and then boom, like that, uh, it can go away because somebody else decided to give more. Uh, It's an interesting idea, but it's not something I really would recommend. And uh, I think that's probably the reason why me and Dustin have never done it because we we commission a lot of leagues and we would never want to do something like that. I think because we're both we're both pretty uh, active traders ourselves already, and uh, we I think we pro- probably both feel we're pretty good at it. Uh, you agree with that, Dustin?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely am a very very active trader. Um, <laughs> um, I'm actually really intrigued by the idea. Um, the reason why I'm not in is just because I haven't i haven't never heard of anyone doing it like i've seen it floated around but i've never like been invited to a league that has it and i just never have implemented my leagues i think like i don't know i think it'd be really fun to do and i think it's really would create activity in in your league um especially like you know i'm the type like you know i think a lot of leagues are notorious for not sending offers to every league so i think like and we always, like, I always hear like, in group chats, people come back, like, oh, I would have paid so much more for this. So I think, like, it, it would it'd be really cool to see what, like, those people are actually saying. Like, would you have actually paid more? Like, and, like, and it gives, and I think it would really help a lot of the, the leagues, especially with a- owners that aren't as active because it's going to give them w- different ways to evaluate trades. Like, and in, in, I think it's, like, it'll really just create more, like, of a community within your league, you know, like, cause like you could say, like, Oh yeah, I'll accept a better offer if there is one, like, but it's the, the value is all in the eye of the, the beholder. Like, you know, you might think it's way better, but it's not better. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like in, or you create a bidding war. And then like, so I, th- like for me being a trader, like if I gave up pieces and someone's like, no, I'll give you way more. Like I want more. So like, I think that would be, be awesome. Like, I don't care. I'm always trading. So I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about how much time I spent on an offer with somebody. Um, so I think I th- think I might start a new league and try it. I don't know. We'll see.
0: But I'll tell you, though, if if I have worked and made a trade because I like, like I said, I don't trade very often. And and when I do, it's a pretty momentous occasion. Uh, a couple <laughs> years ago in our home league, like uh, I, I got looking, I was like, in order for me to win this league, I'm going to have to make a move. I traded Dalvin Cook. I traded Amari Cooper. I got back uh, Ezekiel Elliott and some pieces and won the league. And if that had been, you know, bumped, man, I would have been absolutely livid. And so, like, I, I guess I can see both sides. I mean, it would be frustrating as hell to be the guy who, who worked so hard to get that trade and then just had it, the rug pulled out from underneath you
2: that's a really good point talking about like in, in playoffs or going into the playoffs, like you're making a big trade for, for a run and then someone comes in and your trade's gone. And like, yeah. now you can't get those pieces. So like, that's an aspect I didn't think about. And that might be changing my mind a little bit. <laughs> I, mean, do I, I don't know how to think. I'll have to think through it some, but like, I still think it, it could be fun, but that, like, yeah, I'm the type like if I'm competing, I'm gonna give up everything to try to win. Yeah. Like if I know I'm going down that and I'm gonna make those moves. Um I keep saying this, but I did that to Rocky in the trade X three uh, championship. Um anyways. <laughs> I hear that um, I hear
0: that's the best trade. It's been a while since
1: you Oh, it definitely is. But it, yes. it's, it's been a while since Dustin mentioned that. So thanks for bringing that up.
2: <laughs> um, but that, Zach, I keep, I keep hearing that that you don't trade. And like I hear you say that on your show all the time. So I'm going to get you to do a trade and definitely not a new league. I'm going to send you some offers. We're going yeah, to get something.
0: I, I, I welcome it. Like Again, I'm not averse to it. I'm just bad at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So th- there's definitely pluses and minuses to it. I- I'm not surprised Dustin's a little more. I-, I tend to be a little more old school in some of, the, some of these type of things that we talk about in the commissioner corner, um, different formats. I definitely get into, but certain things like this, I'm kind of a little more old school and I I'd rather just have my trade go through and be done with it. Um, I mean, I, I
2: make multiple trades a day. So like any more activity is great for me. Like I made a mass, I made two trades yesterday, one massive yesterday. Like I'm, I didn't get any done today, so I'm, I I need I need some more activity.
1: <laughs> and actually, although thinking about it, I guess if someone tops your trade, then that you could then go and return and top that trade if you wanted to. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe it's not all bad. I okay, mean, it's good but, good for whoever's tra- like making that trade. You know. Yeah. <laughs> getting getting a <laughs> bidding war. I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll move into our dynasty strategy portion of the show. Dynasty strategy. This is another one where we, again, had kind of a, a main idea we wanted to go with this week. Um, but some stuff came up, some little n- news-type stuff that we wanted to also include in this portion of the show. First thing was the Damian Williams opt-out, which is the, probably the most fantasy-relevant opt-out so far. There's been a maybe a couple offensive linemen that could affect their team's offenses. But in terms of actual fantasy players and the way he affects Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, that was a pretty big one. Uh, Dustin, what are your thoughts on on Clyde now with Damien Williams opting out?
2: I mean, I definitely think that Clyde is is the guy. I, I do see it in increasing his workload a little bit. Um, he's not going to be. I, I don't think he's going to get all the touches. Um, I think they're going to bring somebody, and they still have Daryl Williams who who has flashed and he's looked pretty good. They have DeAndre Washington there. I could see them going out and still getting another person, like maybe like a Devonta Williams or Devonta Freeman or something like that. Um, and Darwin Thompson, I, I know everyone was high on. He's still there, so like he, I still, I think he's going to get more work now. I still saw him more as like a pass catching back, and I, I don't, he's still not going to get all of the carries um, inside the twenties. So I'm bumping him a little bit, but I've seen him like first round startup value now, and I don't, I don't have him there for me but he do, he really has no competition so like if he if he shows and as good as everyone thinks he is like he's just gonna run away with it and he's gonna get he I could see a path to him getting you know the amount of touches that Christian McCaffrey gets and, and things like that in the offense um, especially in the Kansas City offense that if, if he shows I, I I see a path there I just I'm not banking on that
1: yeah and I I, I somewhat agree with what you're saying I I actually put out a tweet I I forget it was earlier today or yesterday um, where I basically said, uh, I think whatever you thought is CEH before, it shouldn't change that much. Now I, I just don't see him as a guy that's built to carry a huge workload, a CMC type workload. And I just think then the Damien, I don't think he's going to get a ton of the Damian William touches that, uh, that, that he would have had if he hadn't opted out. I think they'll just split that up among uh, Deandre Washington, Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson, free agent X who they bring in and uh, CH will have pretty close to what he had, which I think will still be very good. I still think he's, I always thought he was going to be the lead guy over, over Williams and he's going to get, I, I expect him to get a ton of catches out of that backfield, but I, I don't think it changes much either way. Maybe a slight bump up if you want to bump up a spot or two, but uh, I don't see it as having a major impact the way a lot of Twitter seems to be thinking. What, what do you think is uh, going on with that sack? So I, I see this a
0: lot like uh, the Kareem Hunt scenario from a couple of years ago where Hunt came in and people were kind of poo-pooing him as a prospect and, and saying, you know, I don't think that he's going to come in and carry the workload. And then all of a sudden Spencer Ware in front of him got hurt and he led the league in, in rushing. He led the league in, you know, just was was a world beater. Is is Clyde Edwards Hilaire built to do that? Probably not, but I think they're gonna they're going to give him the lion's share of the touches. And I think that once you get past those top five or six running backs that that are pretty established, I mean, man, I I want, I want Hilaire. I want Hilaire over uh, Miles Sanders, who everybody's all of a sudden put up in the top seven or eight. Like, I, like he is this this draft class. Was a very very good draft class, and he is, if not the number one back in this class, the number two. I had him behind Jonathan Taylor. I I still do. I I believe Jonathan Taylor is is a better runner and has been getting knocked for receiving work, even though he put up a uh, uh, pretty respectable numbers this past year. He had I think it was like twenty six or twenty eight receptions this past year, uh, but but this does change the landscape for and expedite uh, Hilaire's ascent to being one of these potential elite running backs, and we don't get those very often. The guys who have a potential to carry the ball 200 times and catch the ball 50 times, there aren't very many of those. I I talked about this on, on my last show or maybe two shows ago and said there were five players that had the potential to do that in the league Clyde edwards hilaire is is number six,
1: and that, I was going to ask you that. So that is that what you're thinking? Maybe about two hundred carries? Is that more than you thought he was going to get before the Williams? Uh, before the Williams opt out?
0: Yeah, I, I think it was probably going to be somewhere close to that, but but I think he'll get more with with Williams being out. I think that you see Andy Reid kind of funnel that, and if you look at, at at his career as a coach, you look at his lead backs. Uh, you see that you see those top 10 seasons for his lead backs who have the ability and maybe not the size. And I don't know, flashback, a you know, three years ago. And I was having the same argument about Christian McCaffrey because I loved McCaffrey coming out and everyone was like, nah, he's too small. He was not going to carry the workload. He's just a pass catcher. And I'm like, "Guy, he like, he's proven he can do it. Hilaire didn't do that as much and as definitively in college. I mean, obviously he was kind of that one year last year once Burrow got there and the offense kind of took off. But he's also been been picked in the first round. He's he's got that pass catcher plus type that I look for. And now he's got a path to the workload. I mean I, I'm I don't know what else you could want.
1: Yeah I, I definitely see what you're saying. And then the only thing that worries me is just is is how many rushes he's going to get and what he's going to do with them um we'll, we'll see how that goes but he's definitely I, I mean i i already thought he was probably a low end wide uh, i'm sorry running back one but uh we'll see how it goes so <laughs> anyway we're getting in the next topic which was uh the shady mccoy signing that happened today with the buccaneers uh Basically, my my take on it is Shady's irrelevant as far as fantasy is concerned, even with the signing. Um, mostly what he does is make uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones probably much, much less relevant. Uh, I do think uh, McCoy could get a little more run than people think or at least more snaps um, because he's probably better in pass pro than either of the other two guys. Ronald Jones has never been very good at that uh Keyshawn Vaughn's a rookie so we, we'll see how he goes with that but basically what this and there's still Dare there as well so <laughs> basically it just means to me that the entire Tampa backfield is unstartable uh you you agree with that Zach
0: yeah and and I've been trying to avoid that backfield for years now I mean Kyle was a Peyton Barber guy and Jay mike has been a Ronald Jones guy and I've been like Like leave those guys alone. Grab James White and call it good. Like what you know, you know, be 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 smarter about what you're doing. You don't necessarily like the guy who's leading the backfield in Tampa is not necessarily producing for you the way some of these other guys who catch passes on other teams. Are going to so why bother you know paying up to get a a a backfield leader? It's so to me, McCoy signing there, he's probably not coming in to be the starter, but it just makes it that much more ugly.
1: Yeah, and I, I've always been uh, as anyone who sees me on Twitter or probably has listened to this podcast knows I've I've never really liked Ronald Jones, so that just makes <laughs> me like him even less. Uh, but Dustin, what are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay backfield now with the signing?
2: So. I, I agree with you guys that he doesn't have value now, but I think that there is a, a path to him actually having value. Like I, I, I think it was always really smart for Tampa Bay to go get him before others, others had the opportunity to, because we're going to see running backs. like him get work at some point in the season, like COVID or, or whatever is happening. Like these guys like should, should have jobs. And I think like, I, th- I I can see a, a pretty decent chance of him having value at some point in the season. So like, I don't hate picking him up off waivers. I know like a whole bunch of people are like, Oh, he's like, he's gonna have no value. I'm not picking him up. But like, if you don't get him now, you won't get him. Like, cause somebody will take that chance on him. And there is a pretty decent shot at some point. He will have some value to, to a team out there. Cool. Now he's not great. Like we saw what he did in Kansas city last year. And you know, he, he was terrible, but he like, it was smart for Tampa Bay. Like he's a veteran. He knows the game. He's been around the league. Like, so he can come in and start in a pinch. If, if something were to happen. Um, I think I, I was actually thinking that I think they, because the teams, a lot of teams are talking about having two different running back groups to like, if this group has COVID, then we have this group over here. Like he would be a great guy to have leading like a second running back group because he's a veteran in the league and he can bring others along that, I think we might start seeing some teams do that um, and start signing some of these veteran guys. Um, I also ha- saw that there is rumors that somebody may be opting out, so that's why McCoy mm-hmm. signed. Who knows? But I think, like I think Freeman will be the next Almano to fall. I think he will sign within the next two weeks, um, just as teams are starting to prepare for this. After seeing what happened with Miami and how quickly that spread through like 17 players on an entire team, like how quickly that spread, they're going to start signing any of these veterans that know the league, just that can come in and start in a pinch.
1: Yeah, and I I, st- I, I just think a big part of it too was probably Brady wanted a, a veteran guy in there that he knew he could trust. And like I said, the, I think the pass protection thing is probably a big deal. Uh, sh- uh, McCoy was always uh, pretty good at that, even back with the Eagles. And uh, and the other two guys are very iffy in that regard, and, and he's another guy that could be like a James White type that 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 Brady can dump off to out of the backfield. But uh, we'll get into the to the rest of the guys we wanted to talk about, which is uh, the main portion um, of the Dynasty Strategy segment we wanted to talk about was was just talking about uh, guys in new places this year, especially I think it's especially relevant. I wanted to bring it up uh, especially because I've been thinking about. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, he's the first guy we're going to talk about. And I think it's going a little – I don't think there's that much concern about DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm wondering if maybe there should be because uh, because of a new team. We've seen this many, many times where even a high-end wide receiver goes to a new team. Uh, he has to learn a new system. He has to learn a new quarterback, and he struggles. He hasn't – especially in this offseason with COVID – uh, Nook hasn't had a chance to um, work with Kyler Murray much. I'm guessing um, he has to learn a whole new system, which is, if he has done it at all, is being done virtually. And I, I feel like that's not really baked much into his price. I-, I could care less that he's 28, which I know in Dynasty now is ancient. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, this the whole new team thing. I think is being a little underplayed with Hopkins. Uh, what do you think, Zach? Yeah, I- I'm with you. But
0: but the other The flip side of that is, you know, Julio was 28 three years ago, and and like this is a this is a player that I'm I'm going to bide my time with Hopkins. Uh, If I've got him, I I'm going to steal expectations. I I don't expect him to be you know what you've seen the last couple years this year, but if I don't own him, about halfway through the season, when that owner is pissed because DeAndre Hopkins is not producing like the, the wide receiver one that, that he expected. I'm going to go start poking around and, and, and offering deals because Hopkins is going to be the one in that, in that offense. And he's going to be a solid one in that offense. Larry Fitzgerald is probably moving on next year. I can't even believe he, he came back for, for another one this year, but but you're going to see Hopkins be the alpha in that offense next year and beyond in an offense that wants to throw the ball. I mean, they threw the ball, what, 550 times last year? They want to throw the ball. They want to spread it out, and and the ball is going to find uh, its way into – Hopkins hands because he is the best receiver on that field it's the Peter Howard targets are earned by the best players on the field Hopkins is the best player on the field they'll figure that out but they may not figure it out at the beginning of this year so he's a keep an eye on because you're I mean even if you look at uh May ADP he was seven June ADP he was seven July ADP he was 11 according to DLF and he's starting to slide people are really fickle it's what have you done for me lately? And when he's not doing it for you this season, that's
1: that's when we're going to go buy him. Yeah, I really like that point about um, um, maybe getting him in season. Because like you said, I think I think he could underperform. That's what I was getting at. He could underperform, especially early on. Um, we saw it with Odell last year, although I guess there were technically maybe some injury issues there. We've seen it with other receivers that move to new teams Um but, Dustin, uh, what do you think of DeAndre this year?
2: I'm not really discounting him. Like, if you look at, yes, he's had almost the same offense every year, but he's had different quarterbacks up mm-hmm. until he Watson, And he's had terrible quarterbacks, and he's still been able to be effective and still be able to make it work. And he's still been able to produce. And like, he's just so good that he can catch a ball if it's anywhere close to him that I don't think – I, I don't think this is really going to hurt him. Um, and if anyone's discounting this fact that he's switching teams in his age or whatever it is, then I will buy that discount because, you know, I'm not worried about any of the competition, like Kirk fits like Hakeem Butler or whatever. Like none of those guys are really going to take, they, they they brought in Hopkins to be the guy and they're, they're going to feed him targets. And, and so, and Kyler is probably a better passer than, watson really is actually watson isn't the most accurate quarterback out there um and so i don't think it's going to impact him too much on the field um but that's that's just me like if anyone's discounting it then i'll buy the discount
0: the the one thing though that deshaun watson does As well as anybody in the league, and he did this in college too. uh, Because I I remember watching Mike Williams. uh, Like I'm, I'm terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. Although I've, I've hit on some, but like I, I, when I watch quarterbacks, it's not like when I watch running backs and wide receivers. I remember watching Mike Williams and thinking, "Wow!" Like Deshaun Watson on that back shoulder throw to the sideline is absolutely money, and Nuke does that so well, and they just so. I don't know with with Kyler Murray being a little more mobile, uh, if if that changes the rhythm of of Hopkins' routes and, and things. But to your point, the the there were only two players on on the roster last year for Arizona who had more than a hundred targets, and they were like one hundred and eight, one hundred and six. It was it was Larry Fitz and and Kirk, and and so there is that market share. There are the targets available for. Hopkins to come in and just say, you know, give him here and and he certainly is the the talent on that team.
2: Yeah, 100%. Like talent finds a way to win, so I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about it. So, well, let's get let's get in the next one. So, David Johnson, you know, kind of the other name in that that trade with Hopkins, you know, he moved from Arizona to Houston, new offense. Um but they, you know, they had the departure of Hyde there and and Hyde was a thousand yard rusher last year um, in in Houston. What do you think of David Johnson next year? To year? me,
0: he, he's kind of that next tier down, but in the same bucket as Gurley and Gordon. So, so they're they're guys that if I start off a draft and and hit wide receiver early, they're coming back around in like the fourth and fifth and sixth rounds, and and I'm I'm looking at potentially adding them for a season or two. I don't mind acquiring David Johnson but he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to go get. Uh you know you mentioned Hyde. Hyde's kind of a between the tackles pounder. I don't necessarily see David Johnson as as that type of player. So they've already got Duke Johnson there. So what's that what's that going to look like with with the pass catching upside and and so like I said he's a, he's a player that I don't mind having on my roster for for a you know a running back two, three, or, or if I get him in a, in a draft where I've gone kind of a zero RB model, but he's not somebody I'm going to trade for.
1: Yeah, he's definitely, uh, a, a, you know, just a 2020 type guy, but I, I think he could give you some pretty good value for 2020. Uh, they ran high kind of, uh, <laughs> into the ground there in Houston last year. And, uh, he's kind of, I could see him, you know, producing similar high with more pass catching upside. So, so I like you said I don't I don't hate him I don't obviously don't want him as my RB one but I definitely think uh, and he he started off really well last year before he got the injury so I I know I've heard a lot of people say you you know he didn't look that good but I think that was more after he got hurt that he looked like he was running in molasses <laughs> and things like that but um, so I, I definitely like him as a 2020 guy if you're a contender but he's not someone I'm looking to to run out and get, unless I'm pretty sure I'm the top three ish type team. Uh, Any thoughts on David Johnson before we move on to the next guy, Dustin?
2: Yeah, I just, I, I think he's just super cheap right now that I think he's, it's very easy to see him improving on his, on his value right now in, in startup ADP, he's going as running back 30, yeah, like 30, (laughs) like that's, that's really late. And
1: yeah, he should he's definitely return value on running back 30. Like,
2: even if you're not a contender, like, don't sell him now. Wait until he's producing because he's going to return value bearing an injury or COVID or anything like that on running back 30. And like, he, we know he's going to get work, Bill. Ryan's going to try to prove that like he made the right <laughs> call.
1: <laughs> you know, Especially after trading nuke for him. For him. <laughs> but
2: like, he's going to, like, he's going to try. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's not smart enough to figure that out because you know it's <laughs> hard. but you know he's gonna try to like show that he knows what he's doing and because i think he might be on the hot seat after this move and and depending on how the season goes so because he's been acting as gm and they haven't been doing very well so david Johnson's going to get work and he's going to improve on that adp value especially to a contender in the season that but like right now he's super cheap like i got him in the seventh round on the scott fishbowl like granted that's a one-year league but like He's still, he's it's just super cheap. I see him going for second round picks right now, so like that's where I'm buying him at um with the the switch. I know people like have the way he performed the last two years, and then switching teams, like people are out on him. Like I have him all over the place because I've been able to get him for like as throw-ins of deals or second round picks. So I, I'm buying.
1: Okay, yeah, good points. Good points. Um, so let's move on to our next guy, which is Austin Hooper traded uh, I mean not traded uh, signing with the uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, what do you think of Austin Hooper this year, Zach and uh, it can, can he produce like last year with the with the, the talent surrounding him there in Cleveland? No'm I'm, I'm out on Hooper because uh,
0: his appeal has always been the targets. mean, the last couple of years he had 88 93 targets. Now he's in an offense where he's behind Landry. Yeah, I put him as the wide receiver one, uh, OBJ, and potentially Kareem Hunt. And the targets are going to be a lot more scarce in Cleveland. It, it's just how it, how it is. And the Browns' number three in targets last year was Nick Chubb with forty nine. So so you had you know OBJ and Landry, and then. Nick Chubb was was the third in targets. I I just don't see the volume being there for Hooper. And if you're paying he's what tight end 13, I think, right now in DLF's ADP, somewhere around there. And and if you're I just did did the the open last week about Tyler Higby, don't pay up for those mediocre mid-range tight ends because you can get the same production, you know. 50 70 100 picks later from from players that that people aren't even thinking about
2: yeah i'm i i'm there with you on hooper and you're right he he is tied in 13 in adp um i just i'm looking at the adp list and there's nobody behind him like i i really want um like hayden hearst is behind him and i still want a hooper over hearst like but you're right. His targets are definitely going to go down. Like, there's just way more competition for targets now. Um, but like, he was still going against with Julio and Ridley. And you know, I don't think that there's anybody in Cleveland that are getting the target share that Julio gets now. OBJ is up there talent wise, but like the way they spread the ball around, or at least last year, that I, I can see that he'll he'll get targets. But you know, you're right like 49 for the number three, like that's not going to cut it for Hooper. And those targets are still going to go to hunt or Chubb. So like his targets will go down, which obviously like he's not a big touchdown guy. So his value is off target. So, you know, I am moving him down, but I'm okay with him at the the tight end 13 price, just because like, it's kind of just, I think he still has the opportunity to be better than a lot of those guys above him. Um, And definitely all the guys below him, but like, you know, I'll take him over Gasecki and probably Goddard until Ertz is
0: gone, just because Ertz Goddard's well, not going to get those. Goddard's going, Goddard's going to see more targets. I guarantee you this. I will bet you right now that Goddard <laughs> sees more targets than Hooper. You did like Goddard. Goddard was uh, what number two in targets on the Eagles last year. Like legit was was the second in targets on the Eagles last year.
2: I might have to take you up on that bet. Uh, see, you know, I don't I don't know, but we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. I, I think. <laughs> This year, at least, I I think I'll have Hooper over Goddard until er- until Ertz is gone. I I, I love Goddard like I, I I love him. I just I don't know. Like I think he was number two in targets because obviously all their injuries and stuff like that last year. Like if the receiving core is back to even semi healthy, like some of those targets I think go down, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know, Rocky, you're the, you're the resident uh, Eagles fan. What do you think? How wrong am I?
1: Uh yeah, I I, I don't know that goddard's getting more targets than hooper i do i do think the one counter argument to what zach was saying is that uh stefanski uh, has been a pretty big 12 personnel guy he likes to use the tight end i mean not that rudolph was getting tons of targets there but um i I mean i guess we'll see how the two it might it might be more that uh that 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 hooper and and njoku split him and and maybe zach's right but but goddard's got to split it with earth so uh we'll see how it goes Goddard was was six targets behind Hooper last year oh wow I didn't
0: realize that (laughs) yeah he had 87 targets like like Goddard is seeing like he's he's going to be the guy for me that's going to be one of these late round tight ends that that I'm going to I'm going to snag I mean I guess he's not late but he's going to be one of the one of the tight ends that I'm snagging uh another one is is Jack Doyle like I think Jack Doyle is going to see a massive target share this year and and that's how I play tight end like I I I a lot of people don't have the stomach for to play tight end the way I do, but I will either pay up and get one of those top four, which I don't do very often, or I will punt the position and just start mining these guys who you know either have good matchups. They're either playing the Giants or the Cardinals or the Patriots, you know, and and try to stream it that way. Or one of these guys, you know, uh, last year I got Waller, the year before I got Cook. Uh, the year before that i can 't even remember who it was I think I streamed the tight end six by playing Patriots, Giants, Cardinals, and Browns like wh- whoever was, whoever's available playing those guys. so like you can do that I, I hate paying up for those mid range tight ends because they don't return the value that you have to, you have to spend to to draft them.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually tend to be more the guy that pays up for, for the Kittle or the Kelsey or the Andrews in a startup yeah. or yeah. Um, but but if you're not, Goddard is definitely great like you said. I mean he was tight in I think nine or ten last year. Um, you know, with Ertz there and 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 Ertz is gonna be there again, but there's no reason the, the Eagles the Eagles use a lot of twelve personnel, so there's no reason he can't uh do that again, especially with the receiving core the Eagles have is is mostly untested or old. So um, uh, we'll move on to the next guy. We got a couple quarterbacks here, and then I think we're going to move on to to find me a trade. Uh, we're going to go, this one should be right up Zach's alley. Uh, Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. Uh, wh- what do you see Tom doing there? I, is he going to be better than last year? I, I, I definitely think we've seen a, a decline in, in his actual ability, but, but, but what do you think? this is the best receiving course
0: that he's had since 2007 when he had Randy Moss and Walker so like this to me is a premier one maybe two year rental uh this is the this is the late round quarterback that you want to have on your team if you're drafting this year and you you know you take somebody early, you go and get uh Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or whoever you take early, and then you sit back and wait and, and grab Brady, and, and Brady could return a, a QB one year this year. With I think Evans is going to be better with Brady than people think. Yeah. Uh, there there have been a lot of people that that have kind of poo pooed Evans because Brady doesn't have the arm that he used to have, which is true. I mean, like you can see him losing velocity, but I also think that if you look at Evans's career, when he had Fitzpatrick playing quarterback for him and getting the ball delivered on target and in stride as opposed to Winston who look he's a gunslinger but he's not very accurate and Evans is Evans when he played with Winston his yards after the catch was less than he is tall the year that he played with Fitzpatrick he ended up with like it was like 250 or 300 yards after the catch that, I think, is going to come back with Brady, and you know Godwin is going to eat out of the slot. I, I really think that that's, plus Gronk is there, I mean, like, I really think that they're going to throw the ball a ton, and that Brady is going to be very effective.
1: Yeah, and I to your point with Evans, I know we're talking about Brady, but I, I think it's uh, Sam Lane Stompy that I've heard mentioned that uh even though maybe he didn't throw deep as much, I think he's like Top 10 or higher in uh, accuracy on the yeah. deep ball last year and at 41 or whatever, 40 last year, whatever he was. So I, I I love the Evans take. Um, and I definitely agree with you. I expect to see Brady do well in uh 2020. And I mean, how could I mean he's got great weapons around him? He's got he's got maybe the best tight end room in the league, uh, plus those two receivers and uh and now maybe shady catching passes out of the backfield back to where we got earlier so dustin any thoughts on brady before we go on to the last guy
2: no just kind of taking it back to the what we said about belichick earlier like brady's the same way brady's gonna try to go prove that he doesn't need belichick to be successful and that he's not lost like everyone thinks he is um like so he's going to come in with a fire and he's going to try to prove everyone wrong. And he's, I, I legitimately think he's going to try to go win a title in Tampa Bay. And I think they're all bought in, obviously Tampa Bay is, but I think, you know, it, it would be go a lot to cementing his legacy if he can go do it with another team. And I think that's what he's like. He's going to go out to try to prove everyone wrong. Like, You know, he's got so many rings with the Patriots, but if he can go get one without Belichick, that would be huge for him. I mean, I think Tampa Bay is probably in a better position right now than New England. Sorry, Zach. I just think, like, the way that they're building, like, they're going – they're throwing everything at it to try to win with him there that I I, I actually think they're going to have a decent shot at it, but he's going to try to prove the doubters wrong
1: and, and uh, I think he was trying to prove the data is wrong in two thousand and seven too, and uh, we saw how that went. So um, we'll move on to the last guy here. I want to I wanted to bring this guy up, um, Teddy Bridgewater with Carolina. Uh, I, I'm actually I think higher on him than most this year. Uh, I, I really like the weapons around him. I I've been very vocal about my love for DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson are nice pieces. Obviously CMC, and uh, I like the the Matt Rule hire, and I especially love the Joe Brady hire. Uh, he 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 worked wonders with LSU last year, and I don't know if, how many people realize. That. I mean, that was basically a bunch of college people. Nobody was talking about Justin Jefferson, Clyde edwards hilaire Jamar Chase before oh, even. Yeah, Burrow uh, this time last year, and he just he produced the best college season in football history uh, offensively. So I, I think he's going to do a lot there. And I know Teddy's not the, the most amazing quarterback in the world. He's, he, he's not the best deep ball thrower, but I think Brady will figure out a way to, to, to maximize him. I love DJ Moore, and I like Teddy a lot. I could see him being a QB1 this year. What do you think, Zach? So
0: I'm kind of on the fence on Bridgewater, but it's okay to be on the fence uh, with Bridgewater because he's going off the board at quarterback 26. And so grabbing him there, it's, there's nothing but upside. Like if he, if he doesn't pan out, then you're not out anything. But if he does with that offense around him, uh, Kyle and I have been saying for two years, maybe three years that that offense that they put together in Carolina is probably the most dynamic offense in the NFL. And they haven't been using them quite, you know, the, the most efficiently, you know, as they, as they possibly could with, with Joe Brady in there, Bridgewater has got serious upside. It's, it's, it's like the, you know, you always look at the quarterbacks down there and you look at the weapons around them and say, okay, there are weapons I can buy into this player. Well, there are weapons around Teddy Bridgewater and and he has potential to uh, greatly exceed where you need to draft him.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I didn't even mention too, is I think it's going to help him as well is that Carolina may have the worst defense in the league. (laughs) So I I expect to see a lot of volume there as well, which is what you always want from your quarterback. Uh, Dustin, what do you think on Bridgewater?
2: Yeah, I'm right there with with you, Rocky. Uh, I love Bridgewater. Um, I love the Brady and the, the Jaw Rule hiring um, over there in <laughs> Carolina. Um, but like, like you guys have all said, like he's got weapons all over the field. He's he's more than a game manager. Like he, he's not going to go win you a game, but he's not going to ever lose you a game either. Like he's like he's pretty smart out there. He's not going to go throw picks and turn it over. Like he's kind of like a. I will say like a cheap man's Russell Wilson when it comes to like just knowledge and being playing smart. Like he's not going to take the hits. He's going to get the ball away. Like he's going to be able to like be effective with the ball. And he's got weapons like, you know, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, like you guys have already said, him. Mean, even, even Ian Thomas out there, like Ian Thomas, I I, I love him as a late run tight end that I think he's got all the opportunity. And like, and like Zach said, he's super cheap right now. Like you can get like, he's, like almost free in in, in one QB and then two, two QB, like nobody's really paying up for him, that you can go get him for, you know, a later quarterback.
0: Did, did you see, and I can't remember where I saw it. It makes me mad because I like to give credit to whoever tweeted it out, But but somebody had a quote about Curtis Samuel and how that they were going to start trying to use him more like he was used at Ohio State. Where we're giving him carries, they said, you know, he he was good down the field. Uh, he actually was one of the top, I think, six or seven receivers in air yards last year. Like yep. he, like mm-hmm. they they put a lot of air under the ball, like through threw him the ball downfield, but they didn't connect. And they're talking about now trying to get him more in space, trying to get him, you know, touches because he's such an explosive player. That makes me excited not only for Samuel but also for for Teddy because the more guys that are getting open, the closer to the line of scrimmage, the better off Bridgewater is going to be.
2: Yeah. And like the, you, we we all talked about how much we liked the head coach hiring and the offensive coordinator hiring. They picked Teddy. Like yeah. there was quarterbacks available out there. Like they didn't have to go with Teddy. Like there was a whole bunch out there and they, or they could have traded up in, in the draft. They, they chose Teddy. Like, those two, like, some of the, two of the best hires that everyone's, like, clamoring about right now, they, they handpicked Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. Um, and I, I love that Curtis Samuel take because, like, there's nobody else be, behind Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So, you know, getting Samuel out there. Reggie Bonafon. Like, <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> Who? No. <laughs> um, um, no, exactly. Like, so, like, I think that's going to help Samuel's value, and I think, like, it makes sense because there's nobody behind McCaffrey at, at all. You can't, you can't keep giving him the carry, the touches he got last year, and not expect, like at some point, some sort of even if it's a minor injury, like some like, you can't just
0: give him all the touches. You have to have somebody else there. So,
2: not to but, go buy some Curtis Samuel.
0: That's such a that's such a crappy career for Reggie Bonifon. He started out <laughs> as a quarterback at Louisville, and then Lamar Jackson came in, and then he's like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go to
1: Carolina, and then Christian McCaffrey's
0: like, what, what do what do you do?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I thought that was a real good point, Dustin. Yeah, that's their guy. They're going to do everything in their power to make him succeed. So, uh, like I said, I'm pretty high on Teddy this year. But we'll move on. Uh, It's getting late. We'll move on to some finding some trades. Find me a trade. And this week we have a submission by Twitter. Twitter handle Dill, D-I-L-L, at Dynasty Loser 420. And it's a 12-team PPR, 1 QB, 1.5 tight end premium league. And tight ends actually also get .125 uh, per receiving yard as opposed to just you know the .1 that receivers get. And it's 31-man rosters, start 9 uh, QB, 2 running backs, 2 wide receivers, tight end, and 3 flex positions. And uh, the team is currently rebuilding. He's got 421 first, two seconds, three thirds. Uh, He said ideally by the end of the season, he'd like to move some of his older pieces, carson Chris Carson, Ertz, um, for younger assets and picks. And uh, we're definitely going to be moving some of those guys before the end of the season here in this episode here. (laughs) But Dustin, why don't you run down his roster and then we'll get into the trades.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll say first, I love his team name, Globo Jim Purple Cobras. I just, <laughs> I love the I love the team name. But um, so yeah, he's in a he's in a kind of a rough position, uh, especially at quarterback. He's got Herbert and Tyrod, and then Jameis and Dalton. So like, he has one starter with Tyrod and, and Herbert, and no backup. Um, and then at, at running back, he's got Carson Eckler, and then he's got Rashad Penny and Keyshawn Vaughn. He's got Dari, but now Dari. And with McCoy might not have any value. He has got like Michael P. Ryan and Justin Jackson. So outside the top three, he doesn't really have anybody there. Um, at wide receiver, he's got Brandon Ayuk, Kelvin Harmon, um, Tyler Johnson, C.D. Lamb, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Sutton, James Washington, and Preston Williams. So I like his his receiving core. Um, and then at tight end, he's got Ertz, and then he's got like Arnold and Brait. So, so not a lot there. Um, so my trade, I'll, I'll get into my trade for him. Um, it was him. We've talked about him moving on those those older assets. Um, mine was uh, trading Chris Carson and, and Rashad Penny to 420 heavy hitters for Justin Jefferson. Um, I, I think he may have to add a little bit to get this done. Um, but I, I wouldn't like adding a third or maybe i could tyler johnson into the trade to to get justin jefferson i think justin jefferson is going to be good in this league i love justin jefferson and adding that youth like if i had his team with already having four firsts and and some seconds i'm trading all my running backs to try to get young wide receivers and then just hitting running back in the draft um that's how i like i i get running backs as the last piece because they're shelf life so go get those young stud um uh, wide receivers and draft your running backs. So my trade just had him, you know, moving on one of those older running backs. Um, me being a Seahawks fan, I think this is Carson's last year in Seattle, um, and he's already fighting with an injury. He takes hits, he brings on contact. So I'm, I'm scared of of Carson personally. Um, so if if you can move him for a second or getting Justin Jefferson, I, I love getting that.
1: Yeah, yeah I-, I like. Uh, you go,
0: there. Oh, sorry. No, I, I say I like that. And I, and I think that right now is a great time to attack the Justin Jefferson owner because he just went on the, the COVID uh, oh NFI, the IR. And so it, it could be a, a panic good time to, to go get Justin Jefferson on the cheap before, you know, this season and, and before he gets back and kind of gets in shape and, and gets going.
2: And this is the deal that he could also make, like, couple weeks into the season, you know, Justin Jefferson will probably start. So, you know, r- rookie wide receivers don't usually hit right away. And if Carson's healthy at the beginning of the season and is putting up some big games at the beginning, then I think it'll be easier to make that deal. Yeah. Um so keep that in the back of his mind, but I'm I'm selling Carson like that's my first piece gone. Like Carson is does not fit the team. Um and I want to sell him with any positivity that I can before his value is gone.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with Zach. I like this too. And and I, the four, the guy you're trading him to, 420 hitter, has this kind of weird mishmash of a team. He's got some decent quarterbacks, and he's got Keenan Allen and and Rob Gronkowski, but he also has Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins. He's kind of all over the place, which makes you think he's probably thinks he can compete this year. I don't think he can. But um, his only his only real solid running back is Dalvin Cook. So if he's trying to compete. Uh, the Carson Penny thing makes a lot of sense and he can't really depend on Jefferson for production. So uh, I definitely see that as a good idea. And uh, I was thinking something similar with mine. So I'll get, I'll get into mine and then we'll, we'll finish up with Zach's trade. Um, Mayan was just a little bit bigger of a trade. Uh, I went with uh, Zach Ertz and Chris Carson uh, to team dirty dangles for, uh, Tyler Boyd, Mike Gesicki, Miko Hardman, and a 2021 20, second. Uh, there's a, like sort of a double tight end premium in this league, so um, Zach Ertz definitely has some solid value there, and uh, the guy we're trading him to uh, has a need at both uh, running back and tight end. His best tight end is probably Gesicki, but uh, he definitely has a team that can contend. He's solid at quarterback. He's got Zeke and Kenyon Drake, but not a lot after that at running back. So having getting Carson, I think, will help. I'd even be willing to throw in Penny with this because I don't see a lot of a uh, major value in Penny. And uh, he's pretty deep at receiver, and he's he's definitely trying to compete. He's got a lot of older guys, Edelman, Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, but he's also got Tyreek and Julio so uh, and Boyd, who he'd who'd be sending in this trade. So he's definitely a contender. And uh, the two weakest spots he has are probably running back depth and tight end. And these are two older guys that um, uh, our team would be wanting to get rid of. And he gets a lot of pieces back uh, to build for the future. And I, I would have liked to get a first in there, but it turns out he already has this guy's first. So, <laughs> um, so what do you guys think of that trade? Uh, Zach, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, I think that, Tight end premium is often overplayed. Although, you know, getting rid of Ertz is is tough because he is one of those difference makers. Right. But he's also 29. He's also, you know, getting to that point in his career where you gotta start thinking. I mean, I think it was Gronk fell off the cliff at 31, and everybody's got a different career, but I, I really like kind of the 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 getting rid of uh getting rid of Ertz and, and trying to get younger um and the boy, I really like the boy. I mean, with, with, with the, with that offense, the Bengals offense in, in so much flux and Burrow coming in, if Burrow is half of what people think he is, Boyd is going to be that Justin Jefferson type player and, and really be successful. So I, I, I like that move.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking, like you said, I like to get the younger at tight end. I still want to get a tight end back if I'm moving. And I, I think by the time this guy's competing, he's not going to, he's not, Ertz is not going to be probably worth, you know, what he is now. And that was the other yeah. thing I was thinking with this is that both of these guys, Ertz and Carson, uh, you can look at his as declining assets and you, you can make a case that all four of the assets you would be getting back could rise by 2021. So, uh, Dustin, any thoughts on this one before we move on to Zach trade?
2: No, I mean, you're trading away two guys that I'm not very high on that I don't like (laughs) a lot, and you're getting like two to three pieces that I really like in a second. So, like, it was an easy trade for me personally. Like, I love Boyd, Um, but I also think like it's a smart trade that would work. Like, you know, Dirty Dingles needing a tight end to to compete in Carson. Like, I it, it works. Like, you're not like you didn't attack big pieces. So, like, like it, the other owner is not going to think like, feel like, Oh, I don't want these, they're the kind assets. Like, cause I don't think he's going to be like thinking he's giving up too much in the, in the deal. Um, but I love the Boyd side of the deal. Um And I think has a pretty, pretty good chance of, of, of happening. Like, I, I think that's a good one.
1: Agreed. And I, I, uh, uh, I've mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, where I think you get done, especially if, you, if it's the kind of owner who cares about calculators. I did throw this into the DTC um, because it's hard to use DLF analyzer for tight end premium leads because they don't include it. But uh, in DTC, his side actually comes out like eight points higher. So you can also use that as sort of a backup if he's the kind of guy who cares about that. Like, oh, you're you're getting the better end of this deal. you know. So that kind of thing. But Zach, let's get into yours um, before we finish up here.
0: All right, so the very first thing I'm doing with this team is, is cutting Des Bryant because I don't know why Des Bryant is still on this roster, but the second thing I'm doing is getting rid of Brandon Ayuk right now while uh, Debo Samuel is hurt, while there's some buzz with Ayuk, and and I think that this is probably the highest you're going to see him go. Uh, there are some people that are high on on Brandon Ayuk, but, but for me personally, I saw his value in – uh the return game really more than than the actual uh being a skill position player and and I think that a lot of what he was drafted to do was make them more dynamic in the return game and then anything they get on top of that for Ayuk is is a bonus so I'm going to trade uh Ayuk and Austin Eckler and I I know he's not going to like this but I'm going to throw a 21 first uh into this deal and I'm going to get back DeAndre Swift and Alan Robinson from Animal Kingdom. Now, Animal Kingdom has got some serious running backs. And if you add Eckler in there, you can run all three of his flexes with running backs. But I'm getting back one of these running backs in this 2020 class that I think is better than anything the 21 class has to offer. So I've traded that, that 21 first to get a better running back than I could get in twenty one, and then I got Allen Robinson back for Eckler and Ayuk. Allen Robinson is uh, still a young uh, twenty six, and he he turns uh, he turns twenty seven in August. So he's, we got two months. You got three four years of Allen Robinson in his prime, and I don't know if you've looked at Allen Robinson lately but Allen Robinson was an absolute stud last year. I think he was like 13th in the league in in targets and was the wide receiver 7. Like and that yeah. was with Trubisky. Yeah. So, I don't think people realize he was that good last year. <laughs> and, and that young. Like he's he's literally just turning 27. He's a top 10 wide receiver. He's going for insane value. And so I went and and got a young running back who I think is going to be very good. Uh, I mean DeAndre Swift was the running back won pre-draft for a lot of people and, and added Allen Robinson. And if you permit me a second trade, I'm going to turn around and spin Ertz in a second and go get Galladay and Jack Doyle
1: and just completely remake this team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I definitely like the first trade. Um, uh, Like you said, selling Ayuk high. I've mentioned before I'm not real high on Ayuk in general, um, but he's definitely got a value bump. And uh, I, I'm not sure you mentioned it when you were just talking about it just now, but you, I know you put on the sheet that you would even include a 20, 21 second as a sweetener if needed. I would definitely do that too. I, I, and I like getting Swift back as a running back in a rebuild just because sort of like Dobbins, I'm not sure you because he's going to peak this year. So he doesn't necessarily give you a, you know, a stud this year that's going to give you a bunch of points when you're trying to rebuild, but he, right. he has stud potential. So, and like you said, I, I I'm with you on A. Rob. I love A. Rob. And uh, the only thing with the other one is I just don't know if Ertz gets you. Ertz in, was it Ertz in a second. Ertz in a second for God Doyle. do it, I'm just cost. not sure if that gets you that. Yeah. If
0: I if I have to throw something else in, I will. But but I bet we I bet we can get something done.
1: It starts the conversation. <laughs> so Dustin, yeah, I, I, I
2: I love Alan Robinson. Um, I've been big into A. Rob, like. Just forever. So I I, anything you can do to get get a Rob, I love. But I also love Galladay a ton. (laughs) So if you can get either of those deals done or both, like that'd be amazing. So um and like all these, like and we keep saying on all of our all all of our shows, like thirds and fourths get deals done. Like, especially if you already have a whole bunch of picks in the first couple of rounds, throwing in in your thirds and fourths to try to get, get deals done.
0: I'll, I'll tell you a secret, and this is kind of talking out of church because we're in definitely not a new league together, but <laughs> anything outside of the first round is fair game for me because those are all dart throws. And I yeah. can also, during the draft, I, I like to buy on credit. So I will, I will trade you next year's second and a third to get a second in this draft that I've already traded out of, and people will do that and and I'll just keep buying on credit, keep kicking that can down the road. So I don't mind trading picks in in especially after the first round. I don't mind trading those picks because I know I can acquire those on credit for picks in the future. And especially with this league where you don't have a taxi squad, second round, third round, fourth round, eh, I'll I'll trade those all day. I'll add those to
1: deals to to get things done and not blink. Yeah, right there with you, Zach. And I definitely think you get that first one done, especially with that sweetener thrown in. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for the other team as well. But um, that, that's pretty much going to do it for what we have uh, for the show this week. Um, before we uh, take care of our business and sign off here, Zach, why don't you just uh, you know remind everyone your Twitter handle and, and all the stuff you're doing?
0: Uh, I am at TacitAssassin13 on Twitter, and I uh, pod with with Kyle LeBrec at KLeBrec, and he is absolutely my better half. Uh, you, you heard the worst of me today because I didn't have Kyle here to keep me in line set, you know, set the ball up on the tee. You guys did admirably, but man, <laughs> he's, he's one of the best hosts in, in the business. And, uh, and we also, we work uh, with a bunch of uh, great guys over at the DFPN at work. Uh, I, I know, you know, that Russ does some stuff with us dynasty outhouse, but uh, we the whole group. I mean, we got FF Trader Joe. You guys are in uh, in TA three with him. Uh, man, we just the the, uh, the whole group. We've got the the FF Funhouse guys. We got Riley Bymaster and Matt Foreman over there too. It's just a really really fun uh, group, and and they put out some really great content. And J Mike, man, I got the I got the Dummy Blitz T shirt on tonight. I'm wearing the Dummy Blitz T shirt representing uh that's probably the best show on the on the network, and and don't let kyle hear, hear me say that but j mike does some serious stuff but it's it's really all about the other guys it's not about me like don't worry about me i just do the songs and act <laughs> stupid it's it's really the other guys over at the at work that that do the great work and 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 you know kind of make everything come together
1: i agree on the other guys but i think you're selling yourself a little short there zach but um yeah. Uh, With our our stuff here, again, I am uh, Rocky Pichella at Dynasty FF Addict. Dustin's at Dynasty Junkie FF. uh, Give a follow to the pod at uh, Dynasty Junkies. And also the Dynasty Addicts podcast podcast network at DAP underscore network. Um, And if you like what you heard tonight please give us uh, a subscription and a rate and review. Uh, The ratings and reviews really help us out. So please let us know what you think and um, definitely do that for the DAP network as well. Uh, Give them a subscription and rate and review. So I think that's all we got. So that leaves it to you, Dustin.
2: Chunky's out.